When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. Friends, the last several years have shown that a healthy, measured, and biblically-based skepticism of our elites and those in power is both warranted and responsible. The scriptures are full of emperors, kings, and rulers that gain so much power and control that they begin to harm the people out of their own self-interests. In today's episode, we want to examine the consequences of that behavior. It looks like a federal government that believes it can force companies to pay money when others freely share news stories and then throw a hissy fit when it doesn't get its way. It looks like people, even churchgoers, accepting the lie about preborn babies and when life is both present and valuable. And we interviewed Laura Clausen and John Speed to ground that golden calf into dust. It looks like the UK government, ready to put more lockdowns into place if needed, because the people have been conditioned to obey out of fear, even though more studies come out continuing to show that lockdowns did way more harm than good. As Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, let each of us make a choice, whether to remain a conscious servant of falsehood or to shrug off the lies and become an honest man worthy of respect, both by one's children and contemporaries. We must live not by lies. It's July 13th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is Liberty Dispatch. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. We are so thankful that you have joined us yet again on the program. And as a reminder, we just wanted to let you know that all our shows are brought to you through the partnership of Liberty Coalition Canada with Christian Week. And LCC exists to establish... Uh, Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand for that proclamation and Christian week exists to provide a practical balance, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. If you want to help support our program, we would just ask that you prayerfully consider leaving a donation at libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. You can scan that helpful QR code and we would just ask that you would click on the analysis and shows box and then all your uh, donations will be made out to the media arm here with LCC because that helps us continue to push against the mainstream media narrative. And it's amazing 
how just a little bit of money and we this is this is an ask that I would ask you to prayerfully consider if you would donate a small amount each and every month that will continue to help us grow and develop our programming because just a small number of people giving a small amount a month helps dramatically so we would just ask that you would do that also, just a reminder, we're over at the FLF Network, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.com. So FLFnetwork.com. And you can also get us on their handy app, which you can get at the Google Play and the Apple App Store, respectively. And also check out everything Liberty Coalition Canada over at LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. That's where you can check out everything. And also, please sign up for our email list. We would love to have you on it so we can stay in touch. Andrew, mailbag question for the day. What do you got? Mailbag yeah, at so LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. Mailbag at LibertyCoalitionCanada.com is absolutely where people can get this question or the answers to this question. And what is a particular lie, something that's clearly not true, that you see has been believed and accepted in the church among professing Christians, something that you'll say, here's an example of how they believe the lie, whether it's a lie from culture, whether it's a lie from the media, whether it's a lie from the health and scientific establishment. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut off at the past, anything having to do with COVID because we know the church swallowed that pill all the <laughs> way down 10 times over. So with the exception of the COVID madness, the COVID hysteria, what is something that you see that in Christian and church cultures, this is a lie that people have believed and now they're living by it? Again, something from the media, something from something having to do with money or family, whatever, because we're going to see that thread throughout our episode today that here are the lies. Here's what we're being forced to believe. Here's what we're being told to accept. And we mm -hmm. will say no, thank you. We will stand on truth. So mailbag at LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. If you're incentivized to do something, you'll do more of that thing. If you have non-registered assets in Canada, there's no incentive to keep them here and expose them to increasing political risk, including asset freezes. While the mainstream media tells us not to worry and assures us that the federal government would never invoke the Emergencies Act again, we're not too sure about that. It's essential that you protect your non-registered assets and our friends at Rocklink have some excellent ideas to help you move some of your non-registered assets offshore into one of the safest jurisdictions in the world. So email Rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. That's link with a C to check out the Kokomo Fund. Now, if, if you all recall... After the Online Streaming Act, or Bill C-18, passed into law, mm -hmm. Meta announced that it would no longer allow news sites and articles to be shared on Facebook and Instagram. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, because it didn't <laughs> want to pay these outlets a fee. Obviously. Now, this is a reasonable and completely understandable response to being hamstrung by a power-hungry Canadian federal government. Mm -hmm. Well, aside from being soft totalitarians, the federal government has also decided to be petty. Mm -hmm. And just like my kids behave when they get angry, right? If you're not going to be nice to me, I'm not going to be nice to you, right? Mm -hmm. It's my toy. Yeah. Can I play with your toy? No. Are you playing with it? No. Well, then why can't I play with it? Because it's my toy. Like that is mm -hmm. essentially the level of maturity that we have seen 
from the federal government. This is truly juvenile stuff here in response to Meta saying, uh, we're not going to. Uh, no, uh, we're I, not going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, totally reasonable. Here's yeah. uh, here's Minister Pablo Rodriguez. Uh, also a petulant child. Guys, I think it's clear. Status quo, not working. All we want, all Kenyans want, is for these platforms to contribute their fair share, not more, not less, just what's fair. So we've met with both Google and Meta multiple times to better understand their concerns. Uh, we believe we have a path forward and we're willing to continue talking with the platforms uh, without going into details, because we don't negotiate in public, but we're deeply convinced uh, that Google's concerns will be resolved through regulations. In the meantime, and this is very clear, the platforms do no, don't have any obligations under the Act, none. And despite this, Facebook has decided to be unreasonable, irresponsible, and started blocking news. This is why, today, we are announcing the Government of Canada will be suspending advertising on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook Google, and Instagram. on the other hand, has been open to finding a solution. And this is exactly what Keynes are expecting. So today we're calling on both platforms to st stay at the table, work through the regulatory process with us, contribute their fair share, and keep news on their platforms. It's good for the platforms, good for news in Canada, good for Canadians, good for our democracy. You all know by now that the world is watching. This is why in the following days we're going to be talking to different countries. Some of them are preparing their own bills on the issue, different bills, same challenges. The platforms know that we're at the table, we're ready to talk to them, we're open to discuss, but we're not open to doing nothing. Status quo is not an option. So there you have it. <laughs> I don't like, I just, I, I, I just like that's, that's kind we, of a little bit infuriating for, yes. for a couple reasons. One, the mm -hmm. irony of the Canadian federal government calling anyone else a bully and unreasonable is yeah. astounding. Or, hey, we're ready to talk. If only they'd come to the table. But you're not ready to talk when Canadians are peacefully protesting because they don't want to take an experimental injection. And then you're, you're not, not willing to, to come to the Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, then, 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 no, no, then it's unreasonable. It's just like yes. utter well, nonsense. It, it has to be said, Andrew. Facebook has no fiduciary responsibility to the Canadian government to participate in their extortion plan. Because that's what this amounts to. Mm -hmm. Our government is trying to extort Facebook to get them to fund Canadian media. Okay? Facebook, as an LLC, has absolutely no fiduciary responsibility to Canadian news outlets to pay them to... If, when people share their news on their platforms. This is an absurd and inane bill. We talked about it over and over again. Mm -hmm. We'll put the episodes that we did past in the description so you can check those out. And we would highly encourage you to do that because we're not going to go deep into them. But the bill on its face is ridiculous. And the fact that Pablo Rodriguez, that, that 
lying communist child is freaking out because the consequences of this inane bill is something mm-hmm. that they don't like. Listen, even that attitude that we're going to we're going to talk to other nations. That also yeah. reminds me of kids. Right? Yeah. When someone does something you don't like, what do you do? Tattle. We're going to go get our friends <laughs> or parents. Our friends agree with us. We're going to get our friends and we're going to gang up on you. Like, it yeah, is, it just it, it, it's, it's a, a threat. It's, it's a refined version of juvenile hissy fits. And, and and we 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 don't buy it. And I hope Canadians don't buy it either. And I hope that we're helping people to see through that that looks like a measured. Oh, we're calm. We're being reasonable. Mm-hmm. But that is a that is a sterilized, petty hissy fit. Yeah. Uh, just just one thing before we move on, uh, or, or a couple things. Facebook, they don't have to pay anything. That's their fair share. They have no fiduciary obligation to fund Canadian news outlets. That's an absurdity. So to use that tried, tested, and true socialist line that we're just looking for the big guy to pay pay his fair share, don't believe them. That's ludicrous. Mm -hmm. And then then on on top of that, it's, it's just absolutely, totally, and utterly absurd to suggest that it is Facebook that is being unreasonable in this in this right. moment. It's it's the exact ar- opposite. Mm-hmm. This is Darvo behavior. So deflect, attack, reverse victim and offender. Our government is acting like a, a you know maniac, an abuser, a manipulator, and that's what we're seeing here. So in total. $10 million worth of government adver- advertising will be pulled from Facebook and Instagram. The Trudeau government's decision is being supported by the Bloc Québécois and the NDP, of course, because they're all uh, they're all socialists. Uh, when questioned if $10 million in lost revenue was enough of a threat to a multi-billion dollar social media conglomerate, Rodriguez defended the decision saying, quote, $10 million is still a lot of money. Uh Uh-huh. Thanks for the non-answer. He also said this, and you saw today there's other private companies. Maybe other governments will join. That's their own decision. But we can only set the example and work in our own jurisdiction and $10 million, that's still a lot of money. I'd like to have $10 million. (laughs) Yeah, I would love for our government to not pay... $10 $10 million in advertising to these yeah. big tech corporations yeah. because or, that's or, our money. <laughs> or $1 billion to their propaganda arm, yeah. the CPC. Yeah. Anyways. So, so this is going well for us, actually. You know, they, they're proving everything we said right, and it looks like, you know, we're going to save some money, tax, tax money there anyways. Anyways, while the federal government thinks this is a flex on Meta, the reality is their advertising pull is anything but because the proportional revenue Meta receives from the government of Canada is extraordinarily negligible as the $10 million in advertising revenue that is being talked about being pulled from Facebook and Instagram represents only 0.0085% of their 100 and. 17 billion dollars revenue in 2022 it's worth noting 
The Canadian Pravda Corporation has also responded, Andrew, our favorite people over there. They love us a lot. They write some flowery articles about us. They have also, to no one's surprise, uh, said that they will do the exact same, same thing because, Andrew, they are independent media organization not working in cahoots with the government. That's they, they, they just took it upon themselves to do that. Mm-hmm. or not so much. Anyways, here, here's a video on that. And we are learning this hour that CBC will also be pausing ads from Facebook and Instagram amid the ongoing fight with the online news bill. Now, there are questions surrounding what the future holds for Canadian news on these platforms and if the decision to stop government advertising will help sway any tech companies. Shruti Shaker is a tech reporter and managing editor for Android Central. She shared her thoughts on the government's move. I'm not surprised that the government did this. I think it is the right for the government to do something like this, especially because, as Mr. Trudeau has stated, uh, he feels that the big tech are bullies and are (laughs) pushing back, not complying with what the federal government wants. So (laughs) rightfully so, of course, the government is going to push back. Now, will this entice the big tech to come to the table uh, it's unclear at least with meta they seem to be very hell-bent on not wanting to come forth and try to comply their state statement or stance is that they are not a news aggregator they are a social media company which is you know to an effect very different than what google provides in terms of its search <laughs> and and being able to aggregate news so um will meta come i really do hope because if they don't come and this comes into a a block in effect and and users are not able to look on Facebook and Instagram for news, I think it will be very problematic for Canadians. So just a point there. It will be very problematic for Canadians, but whose fault is that? It's not Meta's fault. And I'm no fan of Facebook. Like they, they shadow ban us. They do like it's not their fault. They have no fiduciary responsibility to the Canadian public to pay for Canadian news media. That's absolutely there. They have no responsibility to partake in their own extortion by the actual bullies, the Canadian government. Okay. They don't have to do that. Um, The CBC decision, by the way, this is what it feels like to me. It feels like the liberal government said, well, we're not fine. We're going to pull our advertising money. mm -hmm. And then Meta said, okay, that's nothing. And yeah. then, and then the, the government went, "Oh yeah, well, CBC, CBC, <laughs> yeah. like, CBC. ooh, they're also not yeah. going to advertise with you. See, we're we're a whole coalition. We're getting a whole mm. coalition of the willing, and we're yeah. going to go, and we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to bomb Iraq because of the weapons of mass destruction, i.e., the corruption of like it's just Facebook yeah. is corrupt, and we have a whole coalition. Like just." Mm. Come on. Yeah, it's it's, what a what a a joke. It's it is a joke. And and the fault of it's the fault of the Canadian government for putting Canadians in this position. This isn't a highly popular bill. This has been a bill that's been fought by back by Canadians, you know, significantly. This is a bill that's being pushed by radical activists in office. And truthy, shame on you. You're just a parrot of the regime. Like, do you have, are, are you this stupid, Shruti, that you don't understand that the actual bully in this is the federal government of Canada? 
Like you can't be that warped in your thinking to to understand that like, because notice she says, well, yeah, I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense because fa Facebook is just a social media platform and they're not a news aggregator. So why would they have to be responsible for paying for Canadian news outlets? And she doesn't even offer a refutation, but she says, well, the Canadian government wants to extort you. And if you're not going to participate in that, well, then shame on you, you big bullies. And it's just like, we live in an upside down world. And it's people like Shruti, sorry, and the CBC and all our elites who are either they're stupid, which I'll leave open that possibility. They're, they're extraordinarily stupid or they are being evil manipulators. And I'll let you guys decide which one is true. Maybe you can probably, send us a comment. <laughs> probably the that. second one. I'm I'm curious. I've I've seen people speculate on social media that that ten million dollars will probably find its way in the coffers of the CBC. That's probably where it's going to end up because yeah. they're not. Here's what they won't do. They're they not won't giving say, it back. Oh, ten million dollars. Let's not spend it. Like, yeah. Oh, let's spend it. Let's yeah. spend it. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Probably. Friends. Now is not the time to sit idly by and hope that our power-driven systems resolve themselves. Not after three years of heartache, loss, and despair. Our families deserve better. Our communities deserve better. Our nation deserves better. We don't expect the government to fix our financial future. We create our own economy. Barter It is a community of people who are passionate about shopping local, freedom of choice, and free speech, while creating new pathways for a true parallel economy. Head over to libertycoalition.com slash barter today and click on barter it for individuals. Make sure to sign up as a VIP before the official launch and get a lifetime subscription, free premium listings, and 1,000 bits to spend in the system. That is a $1,500 value for only $197. I mean, the thousand bits is basically the equivalent of a thousand dollars Canadian for valuation purposes that you can use in the system. So you spend $200, sign up as a VIP now using the link, right? LibertyCoalitionCanada.com slash barter. Click on barter it for individuals, become an affiliate, become a VIP, spend $200, and then get a thousand dollars worth of bits, a thousand bits to spend on whatever you want in the barter system economy. LibertyCoalitionCanada.com slash barter. Make sure you click barter it for individuals. So Matt, I uh, I had an opportunity to interview Laura Clausen from Choice42 and John Speed from Lure TV. And we talked about a recent video, episode two, that Choice42 and Lure TV put out um, and their their first one was the procedure, mm -hmm. and we also we interviewed Laura and Kevin Sorbo when that came out, and part two of their video series just dropped, and so we watched that together in the midst of the interview, and we talked about a little bit of a hot button issue, especially among Christians and churches, and that is IVF or in vitro fertilization, and we've come to find out that that is a little bit of a, a little bit of a radioactive hot <laughs> potato thing that you cannot touch and that Christians have just kind of accepted and believed, mm -hmm. Oh, well it's fine. And we can go ahead with it. Well, 
if we're going to put on our biblical thinking caps and if we're mm-hmm. going to see through a biblical world and life view lens, then we're going to say no, actually not at all. And we need to be ready for those consequences. So we want to show you that interview that we were able to do with Laura and John right now. We are pleased to have with us on the dispatch, Laura Clausen and John Speed. Laura is the executive director of Choice 42, a Canadian anti-abortion organization that wants to reach out to every Canadian woman in a crisis pregnancy and offer her a network of support. They also make professional media content for exposing abortion for what it truly is online. And John is married to Kim and they have five children and two grandchildren. He's the pastor of missions and evangelism at By the Word Baptist Church in Azle, Texas. Speed co-produced Babies Are Murdered Here and Babies Are Still Murdered Here. He planted Christ the King Baptist Church in Syracuse, New York, and is a co-founder of Lure TV. Laura and John, thank you guys so much for joining us on The Dispatch today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So I want us to spend a few minutes together watching a video uh, that was recently produced by Lore TV and Choice 4-2. And I want to show this video. And when I, when I think about this video, I think about the way that the Apostle Paul is referred to in the New Testament in Ephesus. He's that troublemaker who's causing riots and upsetting everyone. And I would apply that to the two of you and to the work that you do in the in in the kindest way with all of the affections I have in my heart, um, because I believe that that in a good way is what this video does among many things. So let's watch this together. And then I have some questions for us coming out of it. Welcome to Build a Baby, where anyone who wants a baby can build one. Something broken, missing an ingredient or two? In our state-of-the-art facility, using state-of-the-art technology, we can build your state-of-the-art baby. Starting with the swimmers. If you've got a sperm producer, you'll be quite comfortable in our semen collection room, where you'll find everything you need to perform the task at hand. (laughs) No sperm producer? No problem. Build your baby with our extensive donor sperm bank, where all our donors meet the highest human standards. Now, on to the eggs. As with the sperm, if you're missing an egg carrier, you'll have full access to our egg donation bank, all gathered from top specimens. But if you do have an egg carrier, we'll pump that sucker full of hormones, so you can get as many eggs as possible in the shortest amount of time. And then the true magic begins. Building a baby in a Petri dish. Truly a miracle. All embryos will be graded. And we'll discard any defective or genetically imperfect babies before you even know it. Building a baby shouldn't make you feel guilty. Congratulations! You're the proud parents of multiple embryos. Now all that's left is the womb. Are you a womb carrier? Get ready to party. No womb, no worries. (laughs) Our womb rental managers will find the perfect match for your baby building. At long last, the day has come. Embryo transfer day. Cross your fingers that an embryo will stick and you'll get that one perfect baby. Or two, or three, or eight. (laughs) Not to worry, selective reduction will take care of that. 
Wondering what happens to your Build-A-Babies that we don't transfer? For a small fee, we'll store them in our top-of-the-line cryogenic freezers. Ready for you to try again, or discard, or donate, or give to science. A beautiful gift. But whatever happens, Build-A-Baby is happy to help you again, and again, and again, no matter the cost. Contact us and build your baby today. So for those of us in our audience who might not be totally familiar with it or who may have some sort of entry-level caricature idea of it, what is IVF? I guess, Laura, maybe we'll, we'll go to you for this one. What is IVF kind of spelled out in simple terms? So it's in vitro fertilization, which is basically creating a human being in a Petri dish and then uh, transferring those embryos into wombs and hoping that they develop from there. Um, and the process involves a lot of um, death and eugenics and abortion. And then at the end of it, uh, leftover embryos remain frozen in cryogenic freezers. So, John, this I, I asked this question because th that answer essentially is the answer to this question, but I feel like we need to say this anyways, because I have found that in Christian circles, in churches, IVF has kind of become the common grace way that we can have babies, even if we're barren, even if we can't conceive naturally. This is something we've been given that, look, what could ever be wrong about creating life if we can't naturally? But why should Christians and churches... Um, why should they abhor and oppose IVF? Yeah, I can give you at least two solid reasons. And the first one is just the massive loss of life that takes place in order to get the baby that's wanted. So you're talking about anywhere from 90 to 93% of the embryos that are created never make it to a birth. And so, and then many of these embryos, I mean, they're creating as many as, 15 or 20 in some cases uh, to try to get to that one. And so it's a massive slaughter, uh, child sacrifice on one hand. On the other hand, God has spoken very clearly in his word that he is the one who opens and closes the womb. And when you say, well, that's fine, but I've got an end around to that. What are you doing? But saying, I'm going to be God. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing and get what I want instead of what God says. And ultimately, that's idolatry. You know, you are setting yourself up as God in that situation to really do what's an immoral, wicked practice in order to get a child. And that's not that the child him, himself or herself is like somehow demonic or something. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they're created in the image of God no matter how they're created. However... Um, when you have so much evil and so much idolatry going into this practice, it's a real problem. And it, I, I guess this is this is one of the ways that those who do anti-abortion work can understand the difference between a child conceived in rape and the act of rape itself. Like we wouldn't say that, oh, that the child is evil or the child themselves by nature of being the product of rape is less valuable or a part of the act. 
but we can separate the two and we can say the child is still an image bearer of God, worthy of dignity and value, but that wouldn't justify the action or the activity that brought about the child. But we get that if we're, if we're anti-abortion, we understand that distinction. Laura, why, why do you think it is that something like IVF finds a home in Christian circles right? It, there's not the same sort of opposition. I think if you were to pull most evangelical churchgoers, they would tell you that abortion is wrong, right? They, m- most of them will say maybe it's wrong all the time. You might have some that kind of parse out all oh, the heartbeat or whatever, but they have no problem speaking out against abortion. But why is it that in Christian circles, people might be a little more accepting of this, or maybe just not fully informed as to what goes on, and yet they're supportive of this nonetheless. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well, I think they see IVF as pro-life. Um, and so, you know, if you succeed, you're creating a baby. Um, whereas abortion is directly murdering babies. So, um, but then I also think that they don't understand the steps. Um, they don't understand that life is lost at almost every step along the way. Um, They probably don't understand that um, one of the first things that happens with IVF is the, if you're using your own sperm, you go in a room and masturbate to get your sample. Like all these things, I just don't think Christians um, have really thought about it. And so it's probably a lot of them. If if you haven't done it, you wouldn't understand. You would understand. Sorry, you uh, you 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 paused out there for a second. You want to continue your thoughts? Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I don't know where it paused. Sorry, oh. my internet. <laughs> that's okay. Um, John, do we have any sense of numbers um, comparative to the actual intentional taking of preborn life? Like you said, ninety-three percent of all of the, the 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 young embryos never actually come into being outside of the womb. So do we have a sense, right? Like in the United States, you're looking at roughly, you know, a million babies murdered each year before they're born. In Canada, we have about a hundred thousand and which is, which is kind of the same relative to our population sizes. But with, with regard to IVF, do we have a sense of what the numbers are and how do they compare to abortion? Well, I think it's kind of hard to get those numbers exactly, but we do know that there's somewhere between 1.4 and maybe 2 million babies and or embryos in cryogenic storage in the United States. And so you got that number. And then I think it might have been something like 65,000 babies were born by IVF last year. But when you figure out that 90 to 93% never get that far you can just kind of extrapolate it out just you know um in the course of a year um so whether it's selective reduction or it's just the fact that they die during the process um either in either case you're creating life to to um essentially end a certain number of them to get the the one or two or whatever that you want so i'm guessing it would be fair to say and reasonable to say that Christians who are opposed to abortion, who are engaged in anti-abortion work, or who at the very least will speak out against it on social media, in public, who will share things that 
expose it for what it is should in principle commit themselves to that same level of activism exposure and speaking openly and clearly against IVF as they do abortion. And would it also be fair to say that if a Christian doesn't do that, there's an inconsistency there, or maybe there's an idol that uh, a golden calf that they're not willing to ground up into dust. Would that, would that be a fair conclusion? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think actually in some respects, this is worse. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's yeah. a deception here, a self-deception at least, and if not outright otherwise. And so in many respects, I think the compromise is far greater here. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that can be, you know, I don't think God's just going to look the other way on that. So how can, how can Christians, well, let, let me set it up this way. Our, so our show is the Liberty Dispatch and we're, we're connected to, Liberty Coalition Canada. And and part of our mandate is the fighting for the rights and freedoms of Canadians, establishing the righteousness and justice of Christ in our country, defending those who stand for freedom, representing them, and doing what we can to bring about godliness and have the law of God borne out in our culture, in our politics, in our laws. That's why we exist. And so I, I wanted to have you two on to talk about this issue, to talk about this video, um, because in my mind, I, I have a, a connection between those two. But maybe you guys can, can spell it out. Maybe, Laura, I'll go to you first. How is it? What's the connection between Christians who would say, we believe that rights and freedoms are given to us by God, by nature of being made in his image, and Christians who devote themselves to upholding rights and to the liberties and freedoms that belong to us in God, how those Christians who are about liberty, who are about freedom, also need to be about this. What's the connection? Well, the connection is if you actually believe that life begins at fertilization, which is what a lot of Christians will say concerning abortion, then you need to extend that because there's a lot of people being um, created and in dishes and at the moment of fertilization they're in a dish so this is something that we need to be caring about because if if that's actually what you believe that life begins at fertilization we've got a huge problem here do you with that so you mentioned fertilization do you think and i guess john maybe i'll ask you this and then laura if you want to jump in as well is is there this this kind of misinformation or is there a, a little bit of the you know, life is, it's not really fertilization, it's implantation. Like that's really where the life begins that before that, you know, it's not, I mean, even if I, I, I would, I would shudder if they use the word viable because that's, that's leftist death cult language, the, the viability, we don't, Christians shouldn't use that language, but this idea of the implantation, that's really where, where it begins. Is that like, is that a prevalent lie that, that is allowed Christians to not oppose IVF as strongly as they should? It definitely is here in the States out of the academic community. Um, I've seen, you know, the gospel coalition here in the U S has said some things along that line to various theologians and some of our more conservative uh, seminaries have said it. And it's just a flat denial of what embryologists have been saying since the beginning of embryology, that it starts at, fertilization. And it's just a flat denial 
of the fact that you've got human life that's developing from that moment of fertilization. So it's ludicrous. And um, it's, you know, and I will say, I'll give credit where it's due. The Roman Catholic Church has been consistent on this uh, from the early days of it. But in the Protestant evangelical world, we have not been, even though we have plenty of evidence from the Bible that life does begin at fertilization. So where can people find out more about what you two are doing, the organizations? Where can they learn about what's happening, what's coming up next? Um, I guess, Laura, with you first, what can people expect from Choice 4-2? Where can they connect, find out more, support the work you're doing, um, kind of give any of that info to our audience? Sure. Uh, our website, choice42.com. It looks like choice42.com. Um, they can connect on any of our social media platforms as well. And as for what's coming next, um, this build a baby video is episode two out of six that we're doing with lore.tv. So uh, they can expect four more episodes. John, how about yourself? Where can people connect with Lure TV and, and, and what's happening? What can they expect next? I know I'm, I'll just say I'm, very, very excited for Barely Biblical, and I cannot wait to see some of the most violent stories in the scriptures depicted with stuffed teddy bears and stuffing. I, it's, I'm excited for my kids, but maybe more for me. So aside from that revealing maybe some sanctifying that needs to happen in my life, um, tell our <laughs> audience where they can connect with uh, and find out more about what's happening with Lure. Yeah, uh, the, it's spelled L-O-O-R dot TV. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter and all the social media platforms. You can see what we're, what we're doing there and follow the development there. Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for the two of you and for the organizations you're with and for the work that you are doing. I think that the last three years has revealed that Christians need to be about the business of smashing and tearing down idols. I think that uh, we, we've just kind of grown comfortable and apathetic and we, we've we've believed we've swallowed the live neutrality and there is no coexistence despite what that demonic bumper sticker says. Um, we have to tear down idols. We have to rip down the high places and we need to establish the truth and the justice of God. And I'm thankful because that's exactly the kind of work that you two are doing. So thank you so much for joining me on the dispatch. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to the rest of the episodes as they come out, Lord willing. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for Separating money from the state is a core tenet of Bitcoin's ethos, a permissionless network where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. Bull Bitcoin, Canada's most trusted exchange since 2013, is built around this ethos and leverages it in its mission to end central banks forever. At Bull Bitcoin, where security and privacy are priority, they take it upon themselves to help empower individuals with the most potent form of money the world has ever known. Head over to mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC today and get started with your account's creation. Contact Bull's best in the business customer support team at any point throughout the process to request assistance. Mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Take control of your money. 
Also, Bull Bitcoin has really put a lot into their YouTube channel. You want to go subscribe there. They're being a little more active on their Facebook page. You want to check them out. And if you haven't signed up for their email subscription yet, they've just released their Prime Bitcoin PDF guide. It's free. Lots of valuable information there to either help you get started in the world of Bitcoin or for the seasoned Bitcoiner. But again, mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. I have a little bit of a gift for the conspiracy nuts out there <laughs> because we love to give here. Of course. On the dispatch. We love to <laughs> we love to place rubies and emeralds and sapphires and embed them into the glorious tinfoil crowns <laughs> that our audience has been wearing and shaping and polishing in the last number of years. And Andrew, it turns out that these tinfoil crowns also have some counter-radioactive um, properties in them because yes. it seems like we we pick up all those radioactive hot potatoes, as you were mentioning Correct. earlier. So there's a great benefit to yes. having these tinfoil yes. crowns. <laughs> so for my fellow tinfoil crown wearers, who, and if you're like me, you're probably decked out in your tinfoil gown and cape with your, your, your tinfoil scepter. I remember, as you do, all the way back in 2022, crazies like us were sounding the alarm on state overreach and tyranny, warning about the dangers of the state grabbing too much power, taking away our rights and freedoms. And with that, the long-term effects of this, and there are several, economic, health-wise, but the long-term effect of having a fearful and compliant populace and how they could be easily manipulated again in the future, and how if they bent in this way, they would be likely to bend again if the state were to flex another round of do this or we'll punish you. Sorry, what? Sorry, Al Sorry Alfred, is there something you want to something you want to say about this? I think Alfred has something he wants to say about the Today you get to say I told you so. Today I don't want to. But I did bloody tell you. <laughs> but we did bloody tell you. So, Professor David Halpern told the Daily Telegraph the country had, quote, practiced the drill, close quote, of wearing face masks and working from home and could, quote, redo it, close quote, in a future crisis. Why? Because people are now conditioned to do what they are told. Halpern set out his claim of obedience through behavioral interventions, even suggesting the nation's prior experience made it, quote, much easier to now imagine, close quote, the population would accept future local restrictions. He said that while fear-based messaging in general is not effective, he defended its use in extreme circumstances. Huh. Hmm. If only there was people saying that they could use this as a tool of conditioning. Hmm. If only. If only. Halpern continued, quote, There are times when you need to cut through, particularly if you think people are wrongly calibrated. 
He said messages on posters used throughout the pandemic restrictions acted as visual prompts so that, quote, when you go into a shop or somewhere else, it re-reminds you, it cues, it acts as a trigger for the behavior. The professor said that this messaging encouraged mask wearing, meaning people felt naked he quotes, or quote-unquote, when they forget to put one on. Put it this way, he said, you would feel like, oh my God, I haven't got my mask on. You feel naked, right? Wow. Once the public has learnt a new behavior, Prof Halpern said this, quote, in principle, you can switch it back on. Even though plenty of UK citizens refuse to comply and give up their freedoms in the first place, Halpern continues, you've got the beginning, particularly of what is called a habit loop. If this has happened, then you should do that. Major disasters, says Halpern, leave this enduring trace on society. As well as knowing the drill, this quasi-evolutionary impact is a strong indicator of future behavior, the professor claimed. So, Alfred, what's that? I can't... What are you saying, Alfred? What's that? Today you get to say I told you so. Today, I don't want to. But I did bloody tell you. So not <laughs> not just about Professor Halpern and what he said, okay? But now that comes right on the heels of, of this. So on July the 6th, City Journal released an article titled Lockdowns, the Self-Inflicted Disaster. Let me read from this article here. And these these two things are very close together. This article... What we have here in the UK, and what we warned about that you, that this is what they think now. They think that people have been effectively reconditioned to do whatever they're going to be told to do out of fear and out of punishment. We warned about that. Told you so. We also talked about the nature of lockdowns and how effective they were. Told you so. And these two things, these stories together, that we'll do lockdowns if we need to because people will comply. Oh, and they actually don't work. This is from the article. Quote. Most likely, lockdowns represent the biggest policy mistake in modern times, says Lars Jonung of Lund University in Sweden, a co-author of one of the new reports. I'll just say here as a side note, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya has said that the way we handled COVID is the greatest mismanagement in the history of human healthcare and disease. The greatest government policy blunders in the history of healthcare ever. The article continues. He and two fellow economists, Steve Hankey from John Hopkins University and Jonas Herbie for the Center for Political Studies in Copenhagen, sifted through nearly 20,000 studies for their book titled Did Lockdowns Work? published in June by the Institute for Economic Affairs in London. 
After combing, sorry, after combining results from the most rigorous studies analyzing fatality rates and the stringency of lockdowns in various states and nations, they estimate that the average lockdown in the United States and Europe during the spring of 2020 reduced COVID mortality by just 3.2%. This translates to some 4,000 avoided deaths in the United States. That's it. 4,000 avoided deaths from lockdowns. Now, I don't say that's it as in to say those 4,000 lives don't matter. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is compare that or what they're saying is compare that too. So they continue a negligible result compared with the toll from the ordinary flu, which annually kills nearly 40,000 Americans. So 40,000 Americans die from the flu each year. We don't really freak out. Lockdowns only avoided 4,000 deaths in the United States, and we decided to crush the whole world. Not to mention, by the way, the the incredible, still unmeasured consequences of lives lost and destroyed because of the lockdowns worldwide. There's another report, and this is in the article, entitled, Freedom Wins, States with Less Restrictive COVID Policies Outperform States with More Restrictive COVID policies. Now, you can gather from the title what the study found. The study analyzed the rates of COVID mortality of an overall, ex, sorry, end of overall excess mortality in all 50 states. Now, some would say, yeah, but you can't compare states because of population density. Okay, fine. They adjusted for the relative vulnerability of each state's population by factoring in the age distribution and the prevalence of obesity and diabetes. So they tried to deal with the the variables to, to, to deal on equal kind of equal scales here. Then they compared the mortality rates over the first two years of the pandemic with the stringency of each state's policy. Hey, Matt, I wonder <laughs> what the study found. Do you know what the study found? Hmm. Well, that's a great question, Andrew. And I would like to read the following from the executive summary. Quote, our results show that more severe government interventions, as measured by the Oxford Index, did not significantly improve health outcomes in states that imposed them relative to states that imposed less restrictive measures. That's big. But the severity of government response was strongly correlated with worse economic and educational outcomes and with a worse overall COVID outcome score that equally weighted the health, economic, and edu educational outcomes. Two of the largest states, California and Florida, fared the same. Their mortality rates both stood at the national average, despite California's lengthy lockdowns and Florida's early reopening. New York, with a mortality rate worse than the average, despite ranking first in the nation in the stringency of its policies, fared the same as the least restrictive state in the Union, South Dakota. The City Journal article delivers this scathing indictment. Quote, 
The lockdowns were most radical were the most radical experiment in the history of public health implemented without evidence that they would work. In brackets, in fact, before COVID officials at the Center of Disease Control, the CDC, and other nations, health agencies had a specifically advised, had significant, sorry, had specifically advised against lockdowns in their plans for dealing with a pandemic, yet they went along with it. The experiment was promoted by computer modelers who projected that 2 million Americans would die by the end of the summer in 2020 unless governments mandated lockdowns, which they estimate would reduce mortality by 80% or more. Both estimates turned out to be absurdly wrong, right? We just saw all the lockdowns, 4,000 people. <laughs> which is which is not 80 percent and so uh, the, so were the modelers assumptions that government mandates were the only way to change behavior and save lives so it turns out as always government interventionism is a failed plan that ultimately hurts far more than it helps and the interesting part is they're just saying, based off of um, health outcomes, uh, education, and the ec economy. And I don't know, Andrew, did they deal with excess mortality across these uh, variant stringent lockdown states as well? Because we know that the harder people lock down tend to... to increase the the excess mortality in in those areas as well so it's fascinating though because when people actually crunch the numbers when the, people actually look at something more than just biotic health and the threat of a of a disease like COVID 19 mm -hmm. the reality is extraordinarily clean clear but and even, it's even if we just look at biotic health though so just, yeah so they looked at twenty thousand studies even if we just look at biotic health all the lockdowns avoided 4,000 deaths in the United States. That's it. 4,000. That's the best estimates. This is the best numbers given, again, 20,000 studies. Way more yeah. than 4,000 people killed mm -hmm. themselves or overdosed on drugs because of the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Because of the despair, the loneliness, the isolation. The inhumane suicidality yeah. substance abuse went up way more people than that died and mm -hmm. not just and not just from the lockdowns themselves but the lockdowns in terms of job loss mm -hmm. so the people who lost their jobs who were hopeless as a result of it they also the rate at which they're killing themselves and overdosing like it's it's exponentially higher than the four thousand deaths and that's just suicides and overdoses because of the lockdowns that has mm -hmm. nothing that 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 has nothing to do with it that's that's not even when we're dealing with the increase in domestic abuse and how this mm -hmm. is now a generational issue how kids who are the product of, of abuse or imagine being a kid and your dad lost his job he physically abuses you he emotionally abuses you and then he kills himself like we're talking damage that will you will perpetuate that now mm -hmm. for years and years to your kids and your like it's the damage done is incredible overall, and that's just in one country. We have numbers now that the number of people globally who've been plunged into poverty and starvation 
is doubled. So it's in the excess hundreds of millions mm -hmm. around the world. I mean, it's, we can't even begin to sort through and, and the it, absolute carnage that lockdowns caused, even in our country. It's un yeah. Believable, and the really interesting part about that, Andrew, because leftists who are all about um, wealth redistribution and wealth mm -hmm. equality, right? They're always saying, "Oh, income inequality is the most dangerous thing in and the world." And apparently, they're also against big pharma too. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But but income inequality doesn't actually deter, like, tell you anything about the wealth that exists in the nation. Like, it could be that everybody's a millionaire in the nation and is living amazingly, and then you just have an extraordinarily wealthy 1%. Like, it's not a good metric to determine the wealth and economic health of a mm -hmm. society. But it's interesting, though, that they'll, they'll point out in all their activism that poverty is an extraordinarily... Um, dangerous factor in health outcomes mm -hmm. in all these things that can, the, can, they're worried can, about. You can actually measure lives lost with poverty. Exactly. And the whole income inequality thing, the reason I brought up their disdain for big pharma is because yeah. the same people who say big pharma is corrupt, yeah. we can't trust the state, and then the redistribution of wealth from the poor to the rich is bad, mm -hmm. supported with wholehearted, full-throated approval measures yeah. that did the things that they're supposed to hate, yeah. which made Big Pharma <laughs> wealthier and bigger and more powerful, which had the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of mm -hmm. humanity, which is in the process of eradicating the middle class and mm -hmm. making the poor even poorer and the, the top crust even wealthier and they support these why because they're not actually principled yeah and people are just pawns for them women are pawns yeah. for leftists mm -hmm. um black people are pawns for leftists everyone's mm -hmm. just a pawn for them they don't actually care about these quote-unquote oppressed people groups they just use yeah. them as political tools mm -hmm. and then they discard them when they're done with them yeah they're they're the people the rulers of old that christ talks about uh, to his disciples when he says they set themselves up over people to become their benefactors so they can lord it over them so they can be become tyrants and rule them and all this pandering is just it's just the iron law of woke projection. Mm -hmm. The very thing that they're saying they want to fight is the very same thing that they're trying to do. The, they're saying they're the, our federal government saying they're standing up to bullies while trying to bully and extort right. a private <laughs> company. Like the, it, it, we live in a, an upside down world, and we have to have enough discernment to discern the times. Right. God holds us accountable for being able to apply with wisdom biblical principles in our lives. And we have to be able to be discerning enough to do that. But it's almost like our government is saying, um, you uh, only we get to be bullies. Yes. <laughs> right. We saw this. We, we saw this during when uh, when Ontario passed Bill 100. Mm -hmm. which is kind of like the War Measures Act light, which was if you're at a protest, right, if your vehicle's in the way, if you're being disruptive, we can take your vehicle, we can take your license, we can, you know, put you in the back of a police car and arrest you without cause, no due process, right? So what, what, mm -hmm. what our premier was saying was, sorry, you can't infringe on people's freedoms and rights. You can't 
you can't actually do things that equal economic devastation. You can't do anything to impede someone's right to work and impede <laughs> their economic well-being. But that's what they're doing. And so this yeah. is what our Ontario provincial government said. We are the only ones that get to destroy mm. people's livelihoods. We're the only ones who get to force people not to work. We're the only ones that can shut down entire systems and economies. You can't do it. Only we can do it. And that's what Pablo Rodriguez is saying. You can't be oh, yeah. only we can be bully bullies. You can't be bullies, Facebook. You can't mm -hmm. be bullies, Meta. Only we get to be bullies. And this, you know, I, I bring that up and we bring up these stories about the Bill C-18, about IVF, about the lockdowns, not just to say I told you so, even though I will say I told you so. We told you so, right? Like we told you so over and over again. All the evidence comes out that we weren't just a bunch of kooky nuts, that we were reading real studies, that we were looking, you know, just a couple of years ago to look at mm. information available to us, right? Mm -hmm. We were we were dealing in common sense. So, yes, there's a little bit of that. But more so, we bring this up to say to you, dear friends, you cannot live by lies. You cannot, as the scriptures say, be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies, which are based on worldly wisdom and human thinking. What we need to do is we need to take these lies. We need to, as the Apostle Paul says, enslave them, master them, take them captive, tear them down, dismantle them, break them to bits, because if we continue to believe the lies and live by them, we'll be not going to be we'll be enslaved there's no there's mm -hmm. no there's no future there's no freedom um mm -hmm. i just i want to read this little bit here from the end of solzhenitsyn's essay live not by lies because i think it's pertinent and then matt i'll let you wrap up if you have any final comments but he's basically calling people to say don't believe the lie don't space something that's true so i'll just give a couple examples here okay examples like if it's a man pretending to be a woman, you cannot call her she. You call him he. Okay? That's a lie. You're being lied to. That's not a woman. That's a man. That's a him. That's a he. Don't live by that lie. Don't live by the lie that life begins at implantation, not fertilization. That, that IVF is this godsend because now it allows us to conceive even though we can't naturally. That's a lie. Don't live by that lie. Don't live by the lie that says... Well, you know, it wasn't, you know, yeah, we didn't know at the time. And I guess, you know, we did the best that we could. And now we're seeing, you know, maybe, you know, the government wasn't really lying to us. They were just doing their best in the midst of COVID. Don't believe that lie. Okay, so Solzhenitsyn, now he's not saying that because this isn't going on when he writes this. But he is saying, if you're lied to, affirm what is true. Don't speak lies. Don't believe lies. Don't perpetuate lies. Don't go along with the lies. So this is a conclusion to his essay. You say it will not be easy. To do this, to live not by lies, but it will be the easiest of all possible recourses. It will not be an easy choice for a body, but it is the only one for a soul. It is not an easy path, but there are already people, even dozens of them, who over the years have maintained all these points and live by truth. So you will not be the first to take this path, but will join those who have already taken it. This path will be easier and shorter for all of us if we take it by mutual efforts and in close rank. If there are tens of thousands of us, then we would not even recognize our country. How, how the last three years would have been different if pastors were marching on Parliament Hill and churches stayed open. It would be a very different COVID era. He continues, if we are too frightened 
then we should stop complaining that someone is suffocating us. We ourselves are doing it. Let us then bow down even more. Let us wail and our brothers, the biologists, will help bring near the day when they are able to read our thoughts and that they are worthless and hopeless. And if we get cold feet, even taking this step, then we are indeed worthless and hopeless. And the scorn of Pushkin should be directed to us. Why should cattle have the gifts of freedom? Their heritage from generation to generation is the belled yoke and lash. May it not be so for us. Mm -hmm. May it not be so for us. And that is something that we have to take a reflection on. It is our birthright as Canadians to have the rights and the freedoms that we and our forefathers had fought for for time in a memoriam. The World War II was fought to make sure that a totalitarian, fascistic regime would not have power in Europe. Now, our governments are willingly implementing that type of regime with Chinese characteristics in nations across this world to fight the specter of climate change. And we are being silent cattle led to the slaughter. Mm -hmm. When will we begin to push back against this? This is the question. Historically, being a prophetic voice against tyranny is the first step in fighting tyranny. Rallying the troops, understanding the times, and acting accordingly. Redressing grievances. So using the power that you have within your means to push back against tyranny. That is the next step. Fleeing persecution, the one after that. And then, Lord willing, never get to this step. But actually defending oneself physically and one's family and community is the final step in that state and we need to get it in our minds are we prepared to do what it takes to prevent canada to to actually becoming a communist hellhole we are on the way there the the table set we can see the troops are lining up at the top of the hill and there's a lot of them the question is, are we willing to do what it takes to push back against this long march through the institution that these neo-Marxists have done? Are we willing to and brave enough to live not by lies and to push back against the evil and darkness in our country for the sake of our children and our grandchildren and the next generation? It's easier in some respects to have a physical enemy that is wearing different colors that comes from a different background across the sea to, to say those people are the bad guys, those are the enemies. It's easier to work up the courage to go fight that. It's harder when the enemies are in your midst and they're your neighbors and your best friends. And 
we understand that it come this is going to come at a high cost we we get that and it's also it's also more difficult when funny enough we we understand that the the steps that need to be taken are uh, are, are quite simple in principle and and not too difficult to understand or to comprehend right and what do those look like well it looks like you get married, you have kids, you raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Have lots of kids. Get married as young as you can. Have as many kids as you can. I mean, that's step one. Step two, you find a good church. You find a community of faith that is ready to fight and push back, that honors the Lord and his word, that is faithful and biblical, and that understands that the kingdom of God and the lordship of Christ are to be pressed out in every area of life, in every sphere, in every institution. So you find that church. Well, I'm not near that church. Then go move to that church. If it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. We have to move. We can't afford it. Well, then change your standard of living. Do whatever you need to do. Make the decisions so that you are ready to engage and fight in the generations ahead. Don't be alone. Don't be a lone wolf. Don't think that I'll just hide away somewhere up in the middle of nowhere in my woods in my cabin and I'll be fine. We weren't we weren't created to live this way. We weren't created to be in isolation. Have the last three years not told you that? We were created to live in community with other people, discipling, holding each other accountable, sharpening, strengthening, equipping, building up for the purpose of growing and expanding the church and storming the gates of hell. Get married, have lots of kids, raise them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, keep them out of public school. Please, please do not, you cannot, we, we should link to the interview that we did with Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, <laughs> where I yeah. said some very uncontroversial, winsome <laughs> things about the responsibility of parents to not be negligent mm -hmm. and not do which is dangerous to their kids and harmful by sending them to state-funded schools. Don't send them there. Find a good church. Reevaluate and reassess your standard of living and your spending to do whatever you need to do to live as free people, uh, and then and then and then do it. Mm -hmm. Engage in these things. Start yeah. businesses. Make beautiful things. Create mm -hmm. beautiful things. It, it's funny, like like you said, Matt. We it's so easy in concept, and yet it's so difficult. We've grown mm -hmm. so apathetic. We've grown so used to being slaves mm -hmm. in our socialized system that yeah. freedom takes risk and responsibility and we're we're averse we have an aversion to that because we've just been on the receiving end of handouts and ease and comfort mm -hmm. and what we're saying is did like pull those shackles off yeah. of your necks dear friends mm -hmm. live as free men and women free mm -hmm. because god has made you with rights and freedoms but understand that those freedoms are risky and they require you to be responsible mm-hmm and that's the difficult part. That's the yeah. part that we don't like, but it is worth it because better to be a free man and woman living the way that God would want us to for the good of our children mm -hmm. than to be like those people in those dystopian movies and novels, like mm -hmm. all those people in WALL-E just zooming around on their chairs with faces glued to the TV screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's easier. That's more comfortable. But at what cost to your soul and to the souls of your children? 
Yeah, absolutely. We dare not be like Esau and sell our birthright for a mess of pottage, right? That is what we're calling us to do. And we've talked about it before on the program. The new totalitarianism looks like a soft totalitarianism, and it's an opt-in totalitarianism. So we have to be wise and discerning and say, for the sake of my soul and the souls of all those that God's put under my care, we are going to opt out of being a cog in this machine. That is the way that you push back against these things. And that is what we would hope that you would understand and that if you need something to put uh, you know steel in your spine just reflect on the the words from a mighty fortress is our god let goods and kindreds go this mortal life also the body they may kill but god's truth will triumph still and that truth will set you free as we say at the end of every program, Galatians 5, 1, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.